0: Only then that which is nameless comes into being.
1: This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. I hope to be, I hope to become, I hope to achieve, I hope to fulfill. I hope to reach heaven or enlightenment. All this, psychologically, demands time. Hello and welcome to episode 149 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from philosophers' talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti, and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is Hope. Upcoming themes are Systems and Methods, Krishnamurti Schools, and Doubt. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our website at kfoundation.org where you can find a growing collection of in-depth articles on Krishnamurti's teachings along with key topics and a wide selection of quotes. Our online store stocks all available Krishnamurti books and ships worldwide. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast please leave a review or rating on your podcast app, which helps our visibility. This week's theme on hope has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in Ojai 1973, titled, Is Hope a Reaction to Despair?
0: Why do we have hope and belief? What is the place of hope in life? If you had no despair, would you have hope? If you have never felt the sense of utter futility, the meaninglessness of existence, never felt it, Never been wounded by this question of despair. Would you have hope? Or is hope a reaction of despair? And therefore, hope is part of despair. Are you following all this? When There is despair, despair, caught in circumstances out of which I cannot escape. I want to get out of that particular circle, environment, in that particular structure, and I do not know how to get out of it, I am caught in it, totally. And the desire, the, in- the urge to break through and being incapable, brings about, in different ways and different circumstances, this thing called despair – I have lost my son, the utter loneliness, the meaninglessness of life. And from that arises the sense of not having any purpose, any meaning, any creative thing in life. And I, from that I, there is despair. And I look and that that same movement creates hope. Now is it possible to be free of despair? Is it possible never to come upon such a thing and therefore free from both despair and hope? You understand? You are following all this? Am I making myself clear? You see, thought, by which we live, unfortunately, no. thought is never new, is never free, and thought has created this prison, not only in the field of knowledge but also this prison, of the me, and not being able to get out of that me. So, thought, which has made the me the centre of the universe, sees the futility of itself and is incapable of going beyond it. Which is, thought wants to go beyond it, beyond the thing which it has built. Please do see this – it is thought that has made the me, the ego, which, be, which has become the prison, with all its turmoil, anxiety, fear, jealousy and so on, and thought says I must go beyond it, and it can invent, contrive, suppose, imagine, all that, but it knows basically the falseness of it. The more sensitive, the more alive, the more... it, it has integrity, it sees the falseness of it, and therefore out of that comes despair of another kind. So, thought being incapable of escaping from what it has created, then begins to have hope in something which it has projected. So, thought is creating all this. So, to see that, not verbally, not intellectually, but to see the totality of it, then thought becomes extraordinarily quiet, it has no movement either to go beyond the me or to support the me. You understand? Then what place has belief in life? For me, none whatsoever. Why should you have a belief about anything? Which doesn't mean that you have become callous, indifferent, brutal and all the rest of it. Why should they have belief? About what? Belief about my neighbour? Belief about myself? Belief in the politicians, which is the last thing you can ever have? (laughs) Belief in God? Belief in your guru that he has attained enlightenment? How do you know he has attained enlightenment? Because he has got some peculiar feeling or atmosphere about him, therefore you accept it? So why, why do you want belief? Look what belief has done in the world, for God's sake. You believe in your nationality, and look what it has done, wars. You believe in some kind of legendary god, and look what it has done, the religious wars, the sectarian conflicts, this group which believes in that, and fights for it, wanting you to join it. You know the game that goes on. You fill your mind with belief because it has to be active about something. whether that activity is concerned with drugs drink sex or with inquiring into new consciousness and super consciousness are exactly the same if you are occupied with your kitchen or with god is exactly the same because what matters is occupation, restlessness. You cannot have a mind that is completely quiet, full. It is There is fullness only when there is complete emptiness. You won't understand all that. <laughs> so what need there be for belief? Gain thought, place its part. If you had no belief, no opinion, no judgment, what, what would you do? If you had no mentally occupation, occupied, you know, going round and round with this or that or something else, what would happen to your mind? this occupation with belief, with non-belief, is part of the movement of thought, because thought is always moving, functioning within the field of the known. And in that there is no escape, the known is the present. And from there, to inquire into the unknown is the despair. But to know exactly the function of thought and the freedom from thought, so that there is complete harmony, in that there is neither despair, hope, nor belief.
1: The second extract is from the first question and answer meeting at Brockwood Park in 1981 titled, We hope somebody will cure us.
0: Why is it that human beings, from time immemorial, from the most ancient Hindus and Egyptians and the, after the, afterwards other civilizations, why Through all these periods of time, why has man followed somebody? A political leader, a general, a high priest, a psychologist, a philosopher? Why? What is it? in the mind of the human being, that says he knows I don't. Because he knows he will help me to live a different kind of life, help me to get over my pain, my sorrow, my anxiety, and so on and so on. I be one, being confused; the other is not. At least, it, I think he's not. Most gurus are, but we attribute to them all kinds of fanciful, romantic nonsense. So there is this first point. I don't know, but you know. At least I think you know, you have the reputation, there are lots of other idiots like me following, (laughs) and the greater the following, the more I feel it's accurate, because so many people believe in that kind of stuff, and I follow. That's one thing. Also the leader, political, religious, as the gurus, and so on, they have assumed certain authority, whether it's logical, reasonable, sane, or illusory, they have assumed certain certain authority. They have received from the guru, superior guru, the rest of it. Apostolic succession, and also the similar things in Sanskrit in India. This is an old game played by all the priests in the world, the leaders. So that is the question. Question is, why human beings follow another? Let's inquire. Is it because we are not clear? We are confused. And I am confused. Suppose I am confused and I choose you as my leader. I choose out of my confusion, not out of my clarity. Please see the sanity of it first, the logic of it, and then you can throw it out if you disagree. I am confused. My brain is in state of contradiction. I am frightened. I have no psychological security. I come to you because you have you a have certain authority, Certain dress, certain uh, paraphernalia around you. And I' come. I'm impressed by the dress, by the people, by the you know whole setup. And you assure me that surrender yourself to me. And I will save you. Right? Give yourself over to me because I know you don't. So I'll help you. And I'm only too willing and gullible. Because I want to be I want comfort, I want some security, I want some hope somewhere on whom I can depend in whom I have trust, in whom I know, or perhaps I think I know, that he will guide me, help me. And he is only too willing to help me. It begins very gently, There is the inner circle, the outer circle, and the outer and outer circles. And gradually that help becomes dependence. And I depend on my guru, on my priest, on my leader, the political leader of all the various countries. I don't know why we are slaves to the politicians all over the world. I don't know if you have been into it. We have elected them, or they have assumed power in the totalitarian states, and they put their thumb on you and for the rest of your life you are stuck. Or in the democratic world, it's every five or years, seven years you change. But it is the same. You elect them out of your confusion, and there they are. They are confused, they the game is played. Every seven years or five years, this goes on. And it happens the same thing with the gurus. I don't like that guru, but I like the other one. He's more indulgent, he allows me to do what I like. <laughs> you know, many, I, many gurus have come to see the speaker at many times. <laughs> the funniest one of them was... He had been in that particular country for 20, for many years and he came to see me with all the robes and beads and, you know, all the rest of it. And he said... <laughs> he saluted me most respectfully because he assumed I was the guru of gurus. <laughs> and he said, sir... I have been in this country for many years. I have talked all over the different parts of this country. I have a large number of followers. But I have run out of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) So I have come to you And so, please give me some ideas. (laughs) I'm not, we are not joking, but this was an actual fact. You see, when we have really understood why we follow, why. A guru assumes assumes authority. Why he demands so many things, or allows me, allows another follower to throw off his inhibitions, doing what they like—sex, you know, the whole performance, ugliness of all that. I naturally feel that there is somebody whom will help me. So why do I ask help of another? That's the real point. Apart from joking about all this, this is a very serious problem, because they are multiplying, these gurus, with enormous work. Think of a religious man having enormous wealth and property, millions and millions of dollars, thousands of acres, hundreds and thousands of followers. What is wrong to allow such a thing to happen in a world that is already so utterly destructive? so degenerating to allow the so-called religious people, or really not religious, to acquire such wealth, such power. And they because they have enormous amount of money, they bribe, you follow. They slip through all the regulations and rules. So Why do we allow all this? Why do we allow terrorism, for example? Which is spreading. And is it because we are slack, indulgent? What does it matter? indifference, or do we really want to find somebody to help you? Some honest man, not a guru. They merely repeat over and over again. you You have seen all this. Look, says, I am not attacking anybody personally. I hope, please, I will not do that. But I have, during all these, over 60 years, I have watched this. One cult after another. One guru after another. More and more wealth accumulated. Private planes, private... Oh, and they are all religious people. So the world has gone mad. And we are helping these people to go still madder. So we come back to this question. Why do I want help from another? If I am physically sick, I go to a doctor. If I have cancer, I consult specialists, he puts me on a table or kills me or the end of it. <laughs> but psychologically we're also diseased. Psychologically, inwardly, we are wounded people. And we hope others will cure us. You know? And this has been the story of mankind. From the ancient civilizations, from the Simorians and so on, till now, we are still doing the same. We are psychologically unhealthy and we are depending on another to cure us and we have not been cured that's the first thing to realize you can go from guru to guru to guru as most as so many are doing so thoughtlessly and we are still unhealthy, psychologically, at the end of it. So if we realise, first be aware that we are inwardly unhealthy. I am using the that word in most... Res- without any further meaning than that. Wounded people, disappointed people, lonely people. Full of pain, anxiety, sorrow. That's all indication of unhealth, lack of health. Now, can anybody cure you of it? You understand? Historically, from the very ancient times, man has always looked to somebody else and up to now they are still doing the same. Which all indicates that nobody outside can cure you. <coughs> nobody. Your saviours, the Buddhists with their Buddha, and the Hindus with their... and so on. None of them have succeeded and will ever succeed in bringing about psychological sanity, rationality. So, if I realize that, right, logically, saying if you observe all this, then what am I to do? That's the real question. What am I to do when I have discovered that nobody can help me? Prayers, meditation, wait, wait, I must be careful here. Meditation is very important in life. But that meditation must come after putting the house in order, your house inside. Otherwise it merely becomes an illusion, leads to illusion, of fanciful images and all kinds of silly experiences that have no value at all. Meditation has got immense significance. If the, when the house is in complete order. But we have turned it the other way round. We meditate hoping to put the house in order, or meditate hoping some kind of miracle will take place that will put the house in order, my order, the house being myself, oneself. The other way around. You follow? That's what we... The I won't go into it. The speaker generally talks about meditation at the end of the talks. He has done this purposely because all that he has said previously is to bring about order in the house. A man who is frightened, is pursuing pleasure, he can meditate till he is blue in the face, stand on his head, cross leg, uh, do all kinds of things that have been prescribed by the innumerable gurus, he will still be what he is. Perhaps little modified, but he, basically, he's still frightened entity. So we are saying, begin the other way around. Then meditation is a marvelous thing, which we'll talk about next Sunday. That's not an enticement <laughs> So, If I cannot depend on anybody to heal my wounds, my state of psychological health, I have to look to myself. I cannot depend on anybody. Right? Or when I say that, am I frightened? Please enquire with me into this question. When I say to myself I must stand alone. <coughs> Nobody can help me. Because I have realised... have been through various gurus... studied, prayed, meditated... at the end of it all I am what I have been when I started. So logically, sanely, I observe that nobody can help me. It is not that I become cynical. It's a fact. And am I willing to stand alone I need companionship, I need to talk to somebody. Hmm? But they are not going to become my gurus. They will be my friends, but I will talk about it. But I realise deeply I cannot depend. I depend on the postman, the milking, the and so on. But inwardly I am... there is no dependence. Because I realize also that attachment, which is to give oneself over to the Guru, that very attachment leads to corruption. Right? I don't know if you have noticed this. Any form of attachment to any person, to any belief, to any ideas, to any country, and so on, must inevitably breed corruption. So I realise all that. So what am I to do? Can I be a light to myself?
1: The third extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Ojai, 1983, titled Hope Implies Time. Time exists not only physically, but
0: psychologically. Time to learn a language, time is necessary to go from here to your home, Time by the watch, time by the sun rising and setting, the dark darkness of night and the light of day. There's physical time to put together a computer needs time. You'll understand that better. Because you're all mechanically minded. That's not a snare, please. So time is necessary at certain area. Now we are questioning whether time is exists at all psychologically, inwardly. That is the word hope. Don't be depressed by all this, just look at it. The word hope implies time. I hope to be, I hope to become, I hope to achieve, I hope to fulfil, I hope to reach heaven, enlightenment, all that, psychologically, demands time. We are saying time in one direction, is one area is necessary. Whether this psychological time may be a total illusion. The word illusion implies the root meaning of etymological meaning of that word is to play. To play with something. We play with illusions, you because there's fun. We are, we take great pleasure in having a dozen illusions. The more the better, because the more neurotic they are. <laughs> the word. That's why we're examining the word itself, the root meaning of that word is that to play. So <clears throat> is there psychologically tomorrow? Go look at it, don't deny it, don't get, I'm asking my friend, don't get upset about it. Don't throw up your hands and buzz off. (laughs) Look at it. Watch it. Don't deny it or accept it. And you might deny it because you are conditioned. And being conditioned you might say, I can't live with the idea of not having hope. That in, involves conditioning. Is it possible not to be convinced? Condi- con- conditioned. All these questions are interrelated. Conditioned. What does that mean? To be limited. Our brains are conditioned. Please listen to all this, my friend is saying to the other, please listen to this, because this is really important if you can understand it. Then you will be an extraordinary person if you are free of your conditioning. Not that you will be extraordinary, therefore unconditioned, but understand it first, then naturally it happens. There are many scholars and scientists and others, who say human, be- human beings, human brain is, will always be conditioned by their language, by their food, by their clothes, by their environment, society and all the rest of it. And you can modify that conditioning, but you can never be free from it. You know, great writers have written about it. We have discussed with prominent people who are convinced that human beings cannot be free from all conditioning. So I, my friend says, tell me about it. Is it possible not to be conditioned? What is the factor of being conditioned? What causes the brain to be conditioned? First of all it's conditioned, there is the demand for security. We're not advocating insecurity. Just listen to the whole story of it. We want security. Both physically, which is natural. Food, clothes, and shelter. That's natural. Everybody in the world must have it. Not just the few. And that. Security is denied when it is only for the few. There is poverty, therefore there must be conflict. So when the brain seeks, which is thought, naturally – you understand? – the essence of the brain is thinking. That is the root of the the nature of the brain, to think. But thinking has realised that it is in itself uncertain, therefore it seeks security. And that security through division – I am an American, I am my family, your family – and that security now is being denied Conceit. And so is there a security which is not of time? You understand? Which is not of hope? You follow? Is there a security which is not put together? By desire. Right? The friend says, yes, there is this absolute security. Irrevocable security. The other friend says, show me. Don't be too clever about it. Don't. Say a lot of things, just show me where there is security. But the other says, you Don't be so impatient. Look at it very carefully that we need security, physical security. And that's being denied by all the division in the world. Religious, political, racial, division of ideologies, wars, that physical security is gradually being eroded. So do something about that. So don't the desire to find security inwardly as separate human being is causing that. I hope you're following with. So find out if there is security inwardly. There is no security in attachment. right? Attachment to my wife, to my friend, to my girl, to my man, or to attachment to an idea, to a concept, to an image. There is no security – right? – in those. When you say, I agree with you, there is no security in that, what happens? Before you have not examined this, you have just attached. But now by examining it, your whole, your, there's been a radical change. You're following this? The brain has been conditioned by attachment. There, in that attachment, it sought security to my wife, to my job, to an ideal, to some god. So, discovering that there is no security in any of that, what has happened to the brain? Please follow, watch this carefully. What has happened to your brain, which has traditionally conditioned to be attached, hoping to find security in all this, and suddenly discover this: there is no security in all this. What's happened to the brain? You follow this? There has been a total change.
1: The final extract in this episode is from the fourth talk at Brockwood Park in 1978 titled Can Time and Hope Come to an End?
0: This is very important to understand whether time not chronological time but psychological time can that come to an end? Or must there be always, till I die, this movement of I will be, I must not be, I should be, I shall not be, regret, from You follow? The whole psychological activity in which time is involved. That is, can time come to an end? Please see why it is important. Because our brains are conditioned to time. Our brains are the result of a million years and more, how many, doesn't matter, in- immemorial, centuries upon centuries. The brain is conditioned. It has evolved, grown, flowered. It's a very, very ancient brain, and as it has evolved through time—evolution implies time—as it evolved through evolved, it is. It functions in time. You understand? I wonder if you understand all this. The moment you say, I will, it's in time. When you say, I must do that, it's also in time. Everything that we do involves time. And our brains are conditioned to, to not only chronological time – sun rising, sun setting – but also to the psychological time. So the brain has evolved through millennia and the very idea, very question whether it can end time, it is a – you follow? – it is a paralysing process. I wonder if you understand this. It is a shock to it. Does somebody understand this? Because we are going to ask presently whether the brain itself can be absolutely quiet. You understand? Not your body, not your breathing, not your uh, eyes and thought, the brain itself which is constantly chattering, constantly thinking about this, that and the other, whether that very brain cells can be absolutely quiet. So I must under we must therefore we must understand the nature of time. that is, psychologically, inwardly, we are caught in a network of time. I am going to die, I am afraid, I shall be, I have been, and I remember the happy things or the painful things, and the brain is functioning, living in time. Right? You can see this yourself, this obvious fact. So part of meditation is to find out for oneself whether time can stop. Not You can't do this saying, time must stop – it has no meaning – but to understand the whole structure and the nature and the depth of this question. Right? That means is it possible for the brain to realise that it has no future? You understand what I am saying? we live either in despair or in hope right don't you hope is part of time i am i'm am miserable unhappy uncertain i hope to be happy you understand Part of time is this destructive nature of hope. Or the invention of the priest throughout the world, faith. You suffer but have faith in God, everything is all right. You follow all this? Again, that is, faith in something involves time. Can you stand – stand in the sense – can you tolerate that there is no tomorrow, psychologically? Can you? That is part of meditation, to find out psychologically, there is no tomorrow. We were once talking with somebody quite intelligent, quite learned about this question. And it was real shock to him to re- when he, when, I, when we said, hope, faith, movement of the future as tomorrow, is non-existent. He was appalled at the idea – you understand, sir? I shan't meet you tomorrow, whom I love. (laughs) You understand what I am saying? I may meet you, I probably will but the, the hope, the pleasure, the looking forward to something, all that is involved in time. Which doesn't mean, if you have no... that you discard hope, which means that you understand the movement of time. If you discard hope then you become bitter. Then you say, This is, where should I live? What's the purpose of life? And all that nonsense begins. Depression. Agony to live without anything in the future. You understand all this? So, one has to go into this question, not verbally not theoretically but actually, to find out psychologically in, in yourself, if you have the slightest sense of tomorrow. Mm. And the next question in meditation is, whether thought, as time, can stop. Thought, as we talked about a great deal about it, is important, important in its right place, but it has no importance whatsoever psychologically. I wonder if you see this. I must go briefly into it. Thought is the reaction of memory, it is born from memory. Memory is experience, experience as knowledge stored up in the brain cells themselves. You can watch your own brain, you don't have to become a specialist. I'm not. I'm just observe myself very carefully. The brain cells hold this memory. It's a material process. There's nothing sacred, nothing holy about it. And everything that we have done, going to the moon. Planting a silly flag up there, going down to the depths of the sea and living there. Thought has created all this the immense complicated technology and its machinery. Thought has been responsible for all this. Thought has been also responsible for all wars. right? It's obvious, you don't have to question it, either, because your thought has divided Britain, France, Germany, Iraq. And thought has created the psychological structure as the me. Right? That me is not holy, something divine, it is just thought putting together the anxieties, the fears, the pleasures, the sorrow, the pain, the attachments, the fear of death. It has put all this together, which is the me. It is this me with its consciousness, right? I wonder. May we proceed from there? You are following all this. This is me, this consciousness. This consciousness is it? Is the, what it contains? Consciousness, your consciousness, is what you are. your anxieties, your fears, your struggles, your wounds, your psychological despairs, pleasure and so on. The content of your consciousness is its content. Right? Again, there is nothing to be argued, made mm, difficult. It is simple. And that is the result of time right i've been hurt yesterday psychologically you said something brutal to me it has wounded me and is part of my consciousness i've had pleasure as part of, and so on so consciousness is involved in time when we say can time end it implies the total emptying of this consciousness with its content doesn't it, it implies that whether you can do it or not that's a different matter but it implies that when we are inquiring into time, whether the innumerable layers of this consciousness, sensation, desire, and all, layer after layer, the whole structure of it, whether that consciousness, which is the, the result of time, yesterday I was heard, and so on, so on, whether that consciousness, can empty itself completely, therefore time, psychologically, ends. I am putting first this question for you to look at. Then we can ask, is it possible? Do you understand my question? You are aware of your consciousness, aren't you? You know what what you are, if you have gone into it sufficiently. At least for the last week you might have done it, somewhat. But if you have gone into it, you will see all this travail, all this struggle, all the misery, uncertainty is part of you, part of this consciousness. Your ambitions, your greed, your aggressiveness, your anger, your bitterness, all that is part of this consciousness, which is the accumulation from thousand yesterdays to today. And we are asking whether that consciousness, which is the result of time, psychological as well as physiological, can empty itself so that time has come to an end.